Good morning. Will you open up with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. In my preparation for this week, I realized that I had messed up our sermon series. And uh, so the one in your bulletin is what I should have studied on this week. Instead, we're skipping forward a week, and we'll come back next week to what it means to be a, uh, what is it? Saint. Saint. Sure, let's go with that one. So I had two choices. I could wing it this morning or go with what I prepared. So you guys get the prepared message. Sorry, Mike. Wing it. Y'all are saints. Amen. Let's go eat lunch. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, in this sermon series, Who Am I? Uh, finding your identity in God's Word, and according to God's Word, you are a child of God. Look at this verse here, starting in verse 3. Uh, look at this passage. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, that is Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Let's pray over this passage, ask God's presence among us this morning, and that is what we pray, dear Lord. Uh, that through the power of your spirit, uh, you will move among us in such a way that we can understand your word clearly, that you'll speak to each of our hearts, that you'll speak to this community as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, over the last two weeks, we have discussed some really cool identities that we have as Christians. Uh, that we're aliens, that we're strangers, uh, and then, of course, that we are heirs, that we have an inheritance that waits for us. We walk this earth as strangers and foreigners, knowing that we have an inheritance in heaven that awaits us when Jesus returns. And what an amazing, incredible blessing. Our inheritance that awaits us in heaven is just one of the most incredible blessings found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And beyond our scripture text for this topic, Paul reminds us of that blessing. Uh, just in a few more verses, look at verse 11 of chapter 1. He says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the... Uh, the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his, of his will. 
in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked within him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What a beautiful story, right? We love this story, this story that we are chosen by God, that we are loved by God, and one of the many blessings that Paul is praising God for. So for our topic this morning, we have got to connect this amazing blessing of inheritance that we are heirs with the story that we are God's children. And so let's rejoice, let's praise, let's worship God along with Paul as we look at this passage this morning. We are going to make three observations about what it means to be adopted as children of God. Follow along with me as I, I first make this observation that you were chosen by God. You were chosen by God. I've played kickball a few times. I was never chosen first. But you were chosen. And I love how Paul describes this choice. He says that God chose us in accordance to his pleasure and will. We were chosen not out of obligation. We weren't chosen because we're really good at kickball. We weren't chosen out of like, I oh, guess I'll pick Jovelin this week. We were chosen out of the pleasure of God in accordance to his will. Now, I've been chosen many, many times. Have you been chosen before? I was chosen just a few years ago by one of the major companies here in Knoxville, Tennessee. You may have heard of them. It's called Rusty Wallace Kia. They chose me to win a prize. The top prize being a brand new Kia. The lowest prize was a Bluetooth speaker. Hot dog. I was excited. I'd love to win a new car. And this was when Bluetooth speakers were just coming out. I was like, heck yes. Let's go get a Bluetooth speaker. It was worth 30 minutes of my time. Let me just say that. It wasn't worth 30 minutes of Jessica's time, so I drove alone. <laughs> I showed them my letter. I was chosen. And they directed me over to where tables were set up with all these other people who were chosen. And he took my paper. He handed me a sheet that I had to fill out. He assigned me a salesperson. That guy did the best he could to sell me a car, but when you ain't got no money, you can't buy a car. And he finally realized I was just there to win my new car free. So he gave up, took me to the prize uh, station. He pulled out my chosen letter, sure he did, and he matched me with a brand new Bluetooth speaker. It was the size of a quarter. 
It's the worst sound I've ever heard before. But seriously, have you been chosen before? We as Americans are chosen all the time. Did you know I have an uncle in, in Nairobi who's a prince? I'm chosen all the time. And just like you, I say, sure, yeah, I'm chosen. I get it. I understand there's always a hook. So what's the hook here? What is Paul trying to hook us into here to say that we are chosen by God? It was John Newton who once said that assurance grows by repeated conflict, by repeated exper experimental proof of the Lord's power and goodness to save when we have been brought low and then helped, when we were sorely wounded and healed, when we were cast down, when we were raised again, when we had lost all hope but then snatched from despair and placed in safety and when these things have been repeated to us and a thousand times over, we begin to learn to simply trust the word and power of God beyond and against appearances. And this trust, when habitual and strong, bears the name of assurance. Because assurance even has degrees. How can we trust that God has chosen us? It is through the repetition of God coming through on his promises. Amen? The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance of what faith is brings now then you say okay well just because he says we should trust god doesn't mean that we should right but then he goes on and the whole chapter 11 is example after example after example of people who trusted god and god pulled through he met their needs he took care of them he proved himself faithful and true. So we have assurance because of our own experience of the love of God. We have assurance because of the example of others who've gone before that when God says he's chosen us, there is no hook. We can trust him. The second observation I'd like to make is that you are valuable. You are valuable. You're valuable. All these words in the passage points to the fact that we are special and valuable. He said we were chosen before the creation of this world. We're told that the creator chose us according to his pleasure. He uses the words riches of his grace that he 
doesn't just give us as a sprinkle, but he lavishes his grace on us. Why would anyone go to all this trouble for someone who is worthless or meaningless? You are valuable. I heard the story of a woman who shared the story of her childhood. She was a victim of polio. And she told this reporter that when my mother would leave me in Sunday school, I always asked to wear her locket. My mom thought I loved the locket. That wasn't it at all. I just knew I wasn't worth coming back for, but the locket was. Listen, friends, that's not the case at all. We are his children, and we have that value that you're always worth coming back for. Well-known speaker once held up a $100 bill, and I don't have any $100 bills, so you're going to have to pretend I'm holding one up. I think they're this big. He had a group about this size, and he said, who wants this $100 bill? And hands started going up, right? So he took that $100 bill and he crumpled it up in a ball. He said, now who wants this $100 bill? Well, everybody's hands went up again. Took that $100 bill and he threw it on the floor and he stomped on it. Who wants that $100 bill now? And everybody's hands went up, right? No matter what he did to the money, everyone still wanted it because it did not decrease in value. And listen to this. Many times in our lives we're dropped, we're crumpled into the ground, into the dirt by the decisions we make, by the circumstances that come our way. We feel as if we are worthless. But no matter what has happened or what will happen, you will never lose your value. Dirty or clean, crumpled or finely creased, you are priceless. The worth of our lives, the worth of our lives does not come but what we know or what we do, but who we are. And you are a child of God and therefore valuable. Even Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 12 that the very hairs on your head or face if you're Jeff Womble, every single hair is numbered. He said, don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. All right. The final observation I'd like to make I almost made this a four-point sermon. Just to throw you all off. Your adoption was free. Look at it again in verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one that he loves. You can't earn it. We can't impress him. 
God freely adopts us as his children. And that's good news. Because I can't afford it. And neither can you. And I'm not good enough. And neither are you. But he freely, freely adopts us as his children. There was a young boy... He happened to beside the, the river bank along the Mississippi River. And there was an old man, he was fishing. And you know, young boys, boys like Jensen, right? They just have so many questions. Started, you know, going on and on and on with this old man, asking all kinds of questions. And the old man was patient. He answered every single question one of them. But in the middle of their conversation, they both stopped because there was a whistle blowing. There was this giant, beautiful boat coming down that Mississippi River. And they both just watched as, you know, the wheels were turning and the water was moving. It was just a beautiful sight. And a strange thing happened. That boat started moving closer to them and the little boy started shouting, give me a ride, give me a ride. And that old man, who had been patient up till now, said, young, young man, neither of us can afford to ride on that boat. They're not going to stop for you. But that didn't stop the young man. Give me a ride, give me a ride. And that boat pulled right up to them, and the gangplank fell. And he jumped on board. And that old man was shocked, mouth hung open as he watched that boat drive away. The little boy poked his head over the edge. He said, mister, I knew he'd stop. The driver's my dad. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 says that it is for by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. A gift of our Father. It's a gift from Dad. That he loved us so much. That even in the deepest of sin... Even though we have been running away, he loved us as his children. And he sent his only son. And this is important because we couldn't pay the debt. The debt, of course, is death. And we gather around the table today thinking about a broken body and a shed blood so that we didn't have to pay that debt. He looked at you, his child, his son, his daughter, and he paid the debt. You can ride that boat. As we sing our next song, The Wonderful Cross, I'm going to invite you to go to one of these three stations and take the cups. 
on the bottom cup, there'll be bread, and on the top cup will be juice. And I'll ask you to hold that as we sing. Dustin will come up and share a few words. We'll hold and then take those emblems together. But before we sing, I, I want to give you one more story that may help us understand as we reflect. It's a story Andy Stanley told in one of his books. He talked about uh, how he had bought a brand new car. And Andy was so proud of that brand new car. And there was one Saturday morning, he was taking out the trash. And to his surprise, someone had scratched the letter A, followed by some other attempts at letters after it. He writes that he was furious. He called his children in and, and demanded them to confess. He said his youngest daughter, Allie, three years old, said that she had did it. And then it dawned on him. What was she going to do? Was she going to buy him a new car? Is her three-year-old little hands going to buff it out? Man, God looked down at us, and he said, what are you going to do? And he knew that he had to act. You are his child, and I'm thankful for that. Father God, we uh, come with grateful hearts knowing that we were unable to pay such an incredible debt. We come with grateful hearts because we know that you are our Father, that you cared enough for us to send your Son, and we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor, we worship you during this time. And as we reflect, I pray that we'll recommit ourselves to you. I pray that we'll lay our burdens down before you. I pray that through this time of worship that you'll be honored, that you'll be glorified, that you'll be known. Thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.